But let us read 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning of verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. Our Father, we pray that you would bless the reading in the instruction of your word. We pray now for your spirit to lead us into the way of truth and to give us understanding. Cause us to see the implications of this passage for our lives personally, for this church. And again, we pray for the powerful work of your spirit to come near to those that are in darkness that light and life may come. We ask now, Father, your blessing and your help in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. We come now to the fourth chapter of Paul's letter to Timothy and to the Ephesian congregation. He's addressing, again, he is turning back after this speaking of the church and the mission and the message of the church. He's back to addressing the issue of the false teachers and their teaching. He's reminding Timothy as the young pastor, his proper response to that and to all future elders and ministers of the gospel, how we are to respond to false teaching and to teachers. And he's reminding us and instructing us, not only the elders of the church, but this congregation, how we, as God's people, are to respond to such things. So we have a strong, we have a strong and a grave warning here of not only how to respond, but there's a grave and strong warning in our passage this morning concerning the danger of falling away, the danger of apostasy. If you remember again in, in chapter 3 where we left off last time we were here, in chapter 3 in verses 15 and 16, Paul had set forth the, the mission and the message of the church. It is a mission and it was a mission of proclaiming truth, if you remember. It's proclaiming truth, setting forth truth, and defending the truth when necessary. Verse 15 of 1 Timothy. But if I'm delayed, I write so you, that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. And then you remember this expression, the pillar and, and ground of the truth. Yeah. And so the community of God's gathered people, we are to be the pillar and the ground of the truth. Not falsehood, but truth. 
And now, beginning of verse 1, Paul turns our attention to the danger of departing from that truth. The Bible speaks of such a departure as apostasy. Now we're going to spend uh, time this morning and then we'll, we'll move into this even more next week because what I'm speaking about now, the importance of truth and the danger of apostasy and the source of apostasy and how this departure takes place, it is typically foreign to the modern Christian ear, at least in our land. So let's listen closely. Let's learn. And then let's see the implications of how we are to live as we hear this truth. In verses 1 and 2, in verses 1 and 2, here in chapter 4, 1 Timothy, we, we have the warning and the danger of apostasy. In fact, Paul uses this expression, some will depart from the faith. Notice the language there. Now, the Spirit expressively says that in later times, some will depart from the faith. He begins with the Spirit. The Spirit expressively says... That may sound odd, but this is very much like the language that we hear in the book of the Revelation when Christ himself would address, you remember the churches of Asia Minor, the seven churches, and we read repeatedly as he would speak to the churches. We read, like in Revelation 2.29, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You remember that? And he does this again and again. You'll find this kind of language sprinkled through, not only in the Revelation, but in the New Testament. We hear this warning and this language from Isaiah the prophet. It speaks of a spiritual state. Will the Spirit work to give us ears to hear? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. And so what we have here, what Paul is telling us here in verse 1, opening up, he's saying, we have a prophetic word, a prophetic word from the Holy Spirit. And this prophetic word, listen closely, this prophetic word, for us today, it is solidified in the scriptures. It's found here. 39 books, 27 books, the 66 books of the canon of scripture. This is the solidified prophetic word of God. This is where the spirit speaks to us. Paul is about to tell us what the Spirit has said. Jesus spoke of it. The apostles wrote about it. And what I'm talking about is what you see there in verse 1. 
that later times there is this falling away or we might call, listen, the last days apostasy. The later time apostasy is what he's talking about. And let me talk about apostasy for a moment. As Americans, we are very comfortable. But the scriptures again and again, from the prophets to the apostles to our Lord himself, would speak and warn the danger of apostasy. Verse 1, again, now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith. The wording in verse 1, depart from, depart from. Those two words are one underlying Greek word, and we get the word apostasy from. That word, uh, that word has the idea of moving away from, to go away, to move away, to depart from, to abandon. And notice it says some, not all, but some will depart from, and then notice the next wording, the faith, the faith. It is definite article, the faith. This is the faith, not personal faith. It leads to the collapse of what we would think of as personal faith, but it is the faith. It's the content of biblical truth, the content of biblical teaching. It's that which we uh, find in the, in, in the scriptures, the teaching of the apostles. It's that which we confess in the apostles' creed. It's that which is in our confession of faith. It's that which is found in our catechism. The faith, the content of the Christian faith. Now, again, if you remember in chapter 3 in verses 15 and 16, the apostle spoke of the truth, again, in the sense of the mission and the message of the church. And in verse 16, Paul gave us what appears to be a kind of early creedal statement of the truth, the faith, the basic teaching of the early church. You remember verse 16, chapter 3, verse 16. And without controversy is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, he said, preached among the Gentiles of the nations, believed on in the world, received up in glory. And now Paul is saying that that truth, that, the, that it is without controversy, that the church universally confessed, there's this danger that some would depart from it. In fact, from the book of 1 Timothy already, we are seeing that that has begun to take place. So apostasy, the warning and the danger that he has here, is a falling away. Apostasy happens when a professing Christian walks away. You might think of it in his most simple terms. It is apostasy is when a professing Christian walks away from the faith. They abandon the faith. They reject the faith that they once professed to believe. 
It is a departing from the Christian faith. You can have, listen, you can have apostate individuals and you can have apostate churches. Individuals that reject the faith, that once professed the truth, and churches that once professed an orthodox faith and later abandoned the faith for heresy. We're surrounded by that, by the way. If you, if you have been a Christian for any significant time, length of time, you have probably known someone, a witness someone who professed faith in Christ and the gospel and then later walked away from the faith. Sometimes you just, if you just sit or someone will you may be gathering with some Christians. It may be something like our fellowship meal. And then you, you begin to talk about years ago and you go, yeah, what happened to this individual or that individual? And then your heart sinks when you hear of the present condition of that person. But they've walked away from the faith. You, you see it visibly. You see it because they, they do not want anything to do with the church. They want anything to do with God's people. And then the next number of steps is that they, they no longer profess the Christian faith. Jesus taught this reality Remind yourself, give you when you have time, write it down, and, and when you have time, go back and read it. Matthew chapter 13, in the parable of the soils. Matthew chapter 13, read that this week. And read about the demonic influence in that, the devilish aspect that takes place there. Jesus would also teach this in Matthew chapter 24. And Matthew 24, listen to his words in Matthew 24. And Jesus, and Jesus answered and said to them, now listen to this, Matthew 24, verse 4. Take heed, take heed that no one deceive you. That no one deceive you. Verse 5, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. Not all, but many. And you will hear, verse 6, of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes, and various places. And all these things are the beginning of sorrows. And then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Understand his words. He's speaking to the disciples. 
all of the apostles with possibly, maybe, the exception of John died a martyr's death. And John himself is exiled, imprisoned. They will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will be, will betray one another, will hate one another. And then listen to this, verse 11. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Verse 13. There's, there's not only a biblical doctrine of apostasy, there's a biblical doctrine of perseverance. Verse 13. And he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Not only Matthew 13, Matthew 24, by the word of our Lord, the apostles in numerous places, but consider, for instance, uh, the warnings in the, that are sprinkled through the book of Hebrews. There's five major warnings in the book of Hebrews, for example. And Hebrews 6, in particular, uses this very expression. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 6, it says, And if they fall away. So the Bible, the Bible teaches the doctrine of apostasy. All we have to do is consider the Old Testament people of God, they're constantly falling into apostasy. The prophets calling them back by repentance. The New Testament warnings from Jesus and the apostles. The Bible, from beginning to end, it warns of it and it speaks of this danger. Now, not only is there this danger of falling away, departing from the faith, but the apostle in verse 1 speaks of the time of the apostasy. Notice this, the time of the apostasy. Verse 1, he says that in later times, some will depart from the faith. In later times, two words, later and times, and the, the word for times that we have here is where we get the word cr chronology from, our season, days, times, later days, later times, later seasons. There will be a falling away. Now, not only is there confusion often about the doctrine of apostasy, and the reality of it. But also there is confusion about the time of the apostasy. Now when he says later times, some wrongly, listen, listen closely, some wrongly see this as only the days immediately preceding the second coming of Christ. That's not what he's talking about. It will happen 
immediately preceding the coming of Christ. There will be a great apostasy. But the Bible uses this expression, later times or last days, listen, as the time of the Messiah. Did you know that? It, it, the Bible uses this as the time period of the Messiah, that is the period from the first coming until the second coming of Jesus Christ. The prophets spoke of it as the time of the Messiah, and the New Testament speaks of it this way. Again, this is the period from the first coming until the second coming of Jesus Christ. We, we often speak of, um, uh, of the first advent and the second advent of Christ. And you might think of as the later times, like it says in verse 1, the last days as the days between the advents. The apostles understood that they lived in the later days, that the last days, listen closely, the last days had broken into history by the coming of Jesus Christ. Now watch this. Let me give you a few examples. All right. Make sure you have your Bible in your hands. I want you to read these verses with your own eyes. Hebrews chapter 1. Let's begin there. Hebrews 1, beginning in verse 1. Hebrews 1, 1 and verse 2. Hebrews chapter 1. God, who at various times... And in various ways spoke in time past by the fathers or to the fathers by the prophets. Verse two, notice this. Has in these what? In these last days spoken to us by what? His son. So here we see the writer of Hebrews is saying that the last days have come and the final word from God is his son. Everything was leading up to this and everything in the New Testament, listen closely, everything in the New Testament is about the son, the ministry of the son, the coming of the son, the person of the son, the work of the son. And all the New Testament letters are not only the truth of the son, but the implications of the coming of the son and the glorious gospel that he has brought about. God has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, to whom he also made the world. On the day of Pentecost, you may find this interesting. Peter's preaching it on the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 2, where the Spirit is being poured out on the early church, Peter's very clear. This is that which was prophesied by Joel. Joel spoke of the time of the Messiah and the time of the Messiah was the time and this, this activity of the spirit, the pouring out of the spirit 
In Acts chapter 2, verse 16, Acts chapter 2, verse 16, in Peter's Pentecostal sermon, he goes back to the prophet Joel. He wants the Jews on the day of Pentecost, seeing this, witnessing this, to know what has taken place as in fulfillment of prophecy. And But this, verse 16 of Acts 2, is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. It's not like it. It is it. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the what? In the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Yes, Jew and Gentile, but immediately the context has the idea of not only Jew and Gentile going to the nations, Acts 1.8, but upon male and female. This is the expression, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall see dreams or dream dreams. And then Peter does it again. In 1 Peter 1, the book of 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. Listen to this. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. Turn now toward the back of your Bible to 1 Peter. In 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 19, verse 19. But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb, without blemish, without spot. Verse 20, verse 20. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world. But now notice this. But was manifest in these what? At last times. The Messiah was the, the long-awaited prophetic word of the Old Testament. Everything is leading up to that. Listen, church, listen closely. The, the, the scriptures are not ethnocentric. They're not Jewish-centric. They're Christ-centered. Christ-centric. Whether Jew or Gentile, the issue is, are you in Christ? The Word is about Christ. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He is the yes and the amen. It's Christ. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believed in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, verse 21, so that your faith and hope are in God. Yeah. Now, you really want to be blown away. Turn to 1 John chapter 2. Now let's lit. We've heard Paul. We've heard Peter. We've heard Jesus. Now let's, let's hear what John says. And John, 1 John, 1 John, first epistle, not the gospel, John. His first epistle. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. First John chapter 2, verse 18. Watch this. Little children, it is what? It's the last hour. What? As you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now, in John's lifetime, even now, Many, what? 
Antichrist have what? Have come. But which we know, by this we know that it is what? The last hour. Wow. Again, some of this we'll talk about even more in the coming days. But people will ask the question. We hear it all the time. Are we in the last time? Do we live in the last days? Dan, do we? Yes. yes. We do live in the last days. And Paul lived in the last days. And Timothy lived in the last days. And Peter and John, they lived in the last days. Paul is warning the Ephesian church, our church here today, each of us. He wants us to understand that apostasy, that this falling away will take place throughout this entire period from the first to the second advent of Christ as the gospel moves outside of the boundaries of Israel and now goes to the nations as it goes into the world into the world, the pagan world, the, the world under the sway of the evil one, the scripture says. The world under the prince of the power of this world. As it goes into the world and infiltrates into those and reaches those people groups, the enemy is awakened. And he pushes back and he fights. But this apostasy and this ongoing warfare will take place through this entire period of the second coming of Christ. Just as the Israelites, when they, when the Hebrew people entered into the land of Canaan, they fought for every square inch. Right? Even as they occupied. Paul is warning Timothy, the Ephesian church, of this danger. Now watch this. He's bringing this up after speaking of the truth because the, the, the purpose of this letter is, is to confront this reality that has already taken, taken place. You remember we, we spoke about this in the beginning as we, as we started this book that there was a word back in Acts chapter 20 when Paul had ministered to the church. He'd, he had planted the church, established the church there. He'd ministered there for over three years. And, and in Acts chapter 20, verse 29... The Spirit said, he, he gave a prophetic word about what was coming to them. And in Acts 20, verse 29, the apostles said to the Ephesian elders, Acts 20, verse 29, For I know this, after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. From among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things. Here it is, to draw away, that's apostasy, to draw away disciples after themselves. Therefore, verse 31, watch, remember, for three years I did not cease to warn every night, everyone, night and day with tears. When we get to the book of 1 Timothy, 
He leaves Timothy as an apostolic representative to confront these issues, to correct these issues. And in chapter 1, you remember? Remember what we've looked at. In chapter 1, beginning of verse 3. Chapter 1, verse 3. Paul said, 1 Timothy 1, verse 3, I urge you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus. Why? That you may charge some, they teach no other doctrine. You remember that? Heterodoxy, another doctrine, a false doctrine. Because they're trying to lead people away from the faith after themselves. That's what false teachers do. He says, nor give heed, verse 4, to, now watch this, give heed to fables, endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, from a sincere faith. Now listen again, verse Verse 6, from which some having strayed, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things that they affirm. Then you, you move down a few more verses there in chapter 1. He lists the apostates and the false teachers by name. By name. In verse chapter 1 of 1 Timothy, verse 18. You remember this? Beginning of verse 18. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them, here it is, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith, verse 19, and a good conscience, which some have what? Rejected concerning what? The faith. The content of faith have suffered shipwreck. That is to the destruction of their souls. And he lists them, verse 20, of whom are Hymenius and Alexander, whom I've delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. All right. Let me give you some application for this. Because there's a lot here. We got more to cover. But today we'll stop here. Application. You may ask, how does this happen? How does this happen? How does apostasy happen? And what is the source of this? What are the steps to apostasy? How does this abandonment of the faith take place? Again, notice verse 1 of our text. 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. Notice this. It begins, according to Paul, in verse 1. They depart from the faith. How? Why? What are the steps? He says, verse 1, giving heed to deceiving spirits. How does this begin? By giving heed to deceiving spirits. Now listen, that's set in contrast to the Spirit expressly says. There's the Holy Spirit, and there are what? Deceiving spirits. There's, there is the Holy Spirit that's at the opening of this verse that has given the warning. It is the Holy Spirit that Christ has promised would lead us into the way of what? Truth. Right? 
That it is the Holy Spirit. He points us to Christ, right? He brings us to understanding of the gospel. But these deceiving spirits, they lead us away from Christ, away from the truth. These deceiving spirits, they lead to grave and deadly error. So it's giving heed to deceiving spirits, first of all. John would talk about discerning the spirits. Secondly, notice what he says about this. Very unusual language. Giving heed to deceiving spirits, and then he says, and doctrines or teachings of what? Of demons. Doctrines of demons. That's the source of the false doctrine. The source of leading people away from the truth, true faith. It's devilish. It's demonic. This is the work of the great deceiver. You remember the fall in the garden? Half God said, this is the work of the great deceiver. Listen, somebody was sharing with me recently. They were talking to this individual about church. And this individual said, uh, you're just way, you're way too much into doctrine. Somebody attends here. You're way too much this doctrine and stuff. We, I'm not into that. I don't ever want to hear any of our people say that. That's the most ridiculous thing in the world. Doctrine is a word for teaching. And we are to be steadfast in the apostles' teaching. If, if, you are, if you're with us this morning and you've been attending a church that said, we're not into doctrine, leave. Run for your life. That's how you fall to these deceiving spirits, by being ignorant of the truth. This is the great, this is the devil, the great deceiver, doctrines of demons. He works deceptively, convincingly. Three, giving heed to deceiving spirits, two, doctrines of demons, three, Realize this, the devil has human agents. <laughs> the devil has human agents. Christ has ministers. Christ has ministers, and they depend upon the anointing of the Spirit and the truth of the Spirit, the truth of God's Word. And the devil has his ministers that are led by this deceiving spirit. We've looked at this before. I'm going to bring it to your attention again so you see this with your own eyes. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 13. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 13, actually through verse 15. Watch this. Verse 13. For such are false apostles. So there's true apostles and there's what? False apostles. 
Listen, there are there are churches, communion, so-called Christian communions, and they say our leadership are connected are connected by succession to the apostles. Are they true apostles? Is your leadership teaching apostolic doctrine? Are, are these false apostles? Calvin would speak of certain churches, and one in particular that argued about they had a succession of leadership from the, the apostles of the early church, and he said they are no more in succession of the apostles of the early church than Caiaphas was from Aaron. The issue is, when we speak of an apostolic church, is are you teaching apostolic truth? Do you hold to the doctrine of the apostles? But the devil has agents for such are false apostles. Verse 13 of 2 Corinthians 11. Deceitful workers transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. Verse 14, and no wonder, notice verse 14, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. He can make himself appear like an angel called Moroni. Verse 15, therefore, or he, he can appear to you in a cave and say he's the angel Gabriel. And say, you're the next true prophet. And then it becomes a century and a half of war. Verse 15. Therefore, notice verse 15, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 15. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers, that is the devils, also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to the works. So there are deceiving spirits, there are doctrines of demons, and there are human agents of the devil that propagate these doctrines. They are like Hymenius and Alexander. So, with that being said, there is a warning here for God's people. Isn't there? There's a warning here. An ever-present danger that's here. That we should be alert and awake to. If, uh, if I just had to say it in a sentence, I would just say this. Do not expose yourself to false teachers and teaching. No. It's like drinking poison, right? Do not expose yourself to false teachers or teaching. It is deadly to your soul. Again, look at the application of this. Remember, Paul writes this to Timothy as he's to be instructing the leadership at Ephesus and the church. So as I read these verses out of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, think of this as one, the apostolic word to Timothy, 
to church leadership and to the ministers at Ephesus and through all the generations up to this day and to the church corporately. Listen to this. Again, 1 Timothy 1 verse 3. That you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. No other doctrine than apostolic doctrine. Verse 4 of there in 1 Timothy. Verse 4, you notice how they gave heed to the, the doctrine of demons, to deceiving spirits. He says here, verse 4, nor give heed, nor give heed to fables, endless genealogies. Where you're beginning to see some of the content of their teaching. Don't give heed to that. Don't give an ear to it. To fables, endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Notice uh, verse Notice in 1 Timothy 4, verse 16, we're working our way there. We'll eventually get to verse 16. And notice he's moved from the end of chapter 13 for the church being the pillar and the ground of truth. He's going to talk about Timothy and his role. But here in this warning, notice what it would lead to by we get to the end of the chapter in verse 16, verse 16. And here is the one truth that every minister, every elder is to hold himself and bind himself to. And that is, we want to talk about success and ministry here it is verse 16 this is what you are to do first timothy 4 verse 16 take heed there it is again to yourself and to the what and to the doctrine to the doctrine continue look at this continue in them that is, be absorbed in these things, know these things, study these things, preach these things, teach these things, right? Continue in them. Now watch this. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Amen. We'll talk about more. Yeah. 2 Timothy. Now turn to 2 Timothy. Watch this. In 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. You move over one more book. This expression, last days, last times, is used again. 1 Timothy chapter 3. But knowing this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Timothy, this is nothing new. You, were to, you know this. This is the prophetic word. Church, we are to know this. Verse 2, for men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. He's not just talking about America. He's talking about the world, the fallen world. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Do you hear that, young people? That's a mark of sin in the last days. Not only love of money, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. Verse 4, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. There he probably was looking forward to America. 
That is, Tracy, our land of affluence, isn't it? Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Verse 5, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And then look what he says. Here's the warning again. This is a warning for God's people. And from such people, what does he say? Turn away. Do not turn away from the truth. Abound in the truth. Continue in the truth. But from such people, such teaching, turn away. Do not heed. Do not give them an ear. My fifth point of application. I'm heading to the end here. Number five. We have heard here today why it is important that the Christian and the local church continue to expose itself to the truth week after week, day by day, to the teaching ministry of the church. And for the minister, like Timothy, and like the elders in the church, this is primarily done through the exposition of the scriptures. The exposition, the reading out of the scriptures. And last, I want you to listen. Realize that these later times, these last days, will eventually arrive and give way to the last day. It's interesting. Our, our confession of faith, the last chapter, it keeps using this expression, this day, a day, the day. That is, these last times from the coming of Christ, his first coming, his ministry, until his second advent, it will one day give way to the day of his coming. The question is, are we in the last days of the last days? Some mornings feel that way, don't they? We don't know. No one knows the hour of the day. But we should always live that way, right? As, as if it is that our Lord would find us on that day doing, laboring for his kingdom. But a judgment day is coming. The judgment day is coming. The day is coming. We are to faithfully live in light as God's people in light of the day of his arriving. Our king will come. He will come again. And listen, dear Christian, as we have heard this morning already, as we confessed our sins, as we have confessed our sins, the good news for Christians, the good news for the people of God, and this is why it is good news, 
is that Jesus Christ on that day of judgment, he has swallowed up judgment for us that are in Christ. The day has he has bore it for us on the cross. He has taken that judgment for us if you're in Christ. Amen. However, if you are not in Christ, if you're not a believer, you will stand before the tribunal of God. And you will receive a fierce and awful judgment that day. Depart from me. I never knew you. How oh, frightening words. As a sinner, as a rebel, you will receive the everlasting and eternal judgment of the thrice holy God. I'm not going to leave it there. There is hope. You have hope. And your only hope is Christ who died for sinners and who took upon himself the judgment that we deserve. He died for sinners like you, like me, like us. And as we heard our brother Dan speak last week, if you rightly repent of your sins, turn away from your sins. Think of it like a, a car making a U-turn. You're driving your own way of life, your pleasures, your way, not God. But you hear the truth of God's word and you realize that road leads to judgment. You're driving off the cliff. Make a U-turn right now. Turn away from those things. Turn away from that path and turn to Christ. Repent of your sins. Turn to Christ. And as you turn to Christ, by faith, receive the gift of God's free grace in the giving of His Son on the cross for sinners. Where your sins can be washed away. You can be reconciled to God. And there is eternal life. Yes. As we come to the table this morning, and this is a table for Christians, for believers, for baptized believers in the name of Christ. You will see with your eye the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. The cup of God's wrath, the, the blood and the cup that he drank for us. And so may the word that you've heard this morning, may it speak to you, and may what you hear and see in the supper reveal more of Christ to you. Let us pray.